30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? I am your Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the nerdy South, Tyler Mack, and you are listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, and Josh is currently living it up in Florida at the House of the Mouse right now, so he is not in this meeting while he is away. However, we have a very special episode in store for you and a very special guest. Uh, we are joined by actress, producer, writer, and screen queen herself, Devaney Penn, and it's Devaney, correct? It is. Yes, you got it right. So snaps for you. Yes. How are you? Thanks for having me. (laughs) Do you mind if I call you Dev? Absolutely. Absolutely. Call me Dev. Is that a people? Do people? That is. That's my nickname. Yeah. I have a mouthful of Devony. So yeah, Yeah. Dev works perfect. Well, how have you been? I've been great, actually. I've been on this press tour for Frost, which Mm kind of fortunately connected us. So we get to chat. Mm -hmm. frosty and nerdy things yes and um and it's spooky season so i'm i'm in my element and uh it's the the best part of the year because uh i talk halloween every day you know every day it's the best but, time of the year it, it should be a national holiday right? it, it's it's ridiculous that it doesn't get the respect that it deserves no but but for a few weeks of the year like everyone gets excited with yes. me and both chat along so here we are yeah. So I'm I'm honored to have you. Uh, I'm very oh, excited you. for this. Um, I've been keeping up with you for a bit now. Um, you started following us on Twitter, and that's how yeah. we got connected uh, for this interview. And I spent a lot of time early in the pandemic, like just diving into like non Hollywood genre, yeah. like whether it was horror or sci fi, you know, stuff that's untouched by the glitz and glam. And awesome. I'm an I'm an independent film actor myself. So I, I, I tend to love those a little more. And, and, you know, Hollywood's great and like the big screen and, and, you know, explosions and all that's great. But when you get down to the nitty gritty, I really love the genre of independent film in general. Could not agree with you more. I think um, I think Hollywood has to play by a few more rules than we do yes. um, and be a little bit safer. And um, while there's absolutely a place for that, they do scale um, mm-hmm. better probably because you know the funding there and they understand that audience but um, but indies 
can really tell some stories that Hollywood can't bring you. And sometimes if you have the patience to kind of dive in there, um, you yeah. really find some gems. You find some some great content that, you know, that Hollywood couldn't touch. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think some people are learning with some of the stuff that Netflix has been doing, kind of going yeah. a little grittier. And some people are starting to feel uneasy. And yeah. it's like, oh, wait, that's a little too real. That's a little too real. <laughs> and, and and like like all this upheaval about Dahmer, I'm like, dude, he's been around since yeah. he did the whole thing. Like there's been three or four other movies depicting he's but real. But there's been, um, and we were talking a little bit about this before we started the show. There's, there's kind of watering down of content, um, even with some of the more, you know, gruesome serial killers out there there's always been a fascination because true crime is a subgenre that really fascinates a wide demographic of people um criminal psychology you know no matter who you are to some degree it's an interesting topic absolutely Um, and i think hollywood while they want to cash in on the popular topic because they know the interest is there they have to play it safe and to play you know cannibalism safe like how do you really tell that story so i think we've had dumber in doses excuse mm. the pun um <laughs> previously to this um but i feel like netflix because they don't have to answer to anyone really yeah um they they tapped a team that really understands and does the darkness mm. well and they just let them loose and let them do their thing and what yeah. we got was rewarded as an audience by content that not only was honest and real and gritty, but really done well by all involved. And I think with that being such a hit that it is, um, both Hollywood and audiences, while everyone's a little bit fascinated and traumatized by what we all saw, um, I think there's an appetite for that. And I Mm -hmm. think um, both audiences and Hollywood are warming up to that idea. Yeah, I I think it's grown up a little bit with with a little bit that we've gotten. so I did some diving and I found the dawn early in the oh, day, like yeah. shortly after it came out and I, I recognized you instantly and I didn't know what it was from. Um, so obviously as a nerd, I, I did exactly what any nerd would do. I, I researched and uh, it was Piranha. Yeah. I recognized your face from and I remembered uh, it was in that massive attack. That's yes. happening before Vin Rames gets the weed eater thing and the boat yeah. and starts fighting. And I was like, holy crap, I have a problem because like I have this like data bank that's like 99 percent of it is movie quotes, actors and actresses. That's a great thing. Like, I, I can just pull and, and it, it's 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 scary at times. Like, for instance, a joke, a running joke on this show is uh, I'm a big fan of the show Supernatural. Yeah. And uh, one of the, the jokes is that if I'm watching something with Josh, that's not supernatural. It could be big bang theory mm-hmm. and a character pops up. I'll go, he was in supernatural and he'll just look at me and I'll go, you know, season four, episode three, about halfway through <laughs> he dies at the beginning. And that's the joke. And I'm like, it's just how my brain's wired. That's like, awesome. And all that. Photographic. Um, yeah. Super cool. So the second I realized I, I recognized you, I realized that you had done some of the genre that that is if not my favorite definitely fights for my favorite genre and that's oh, horror um i watched crossbreed uh the dawn the black dahlia haunting which i absolutely loved because my, my fiance is, is big into the like the dahlia murder and oh, really? 
Okay. Now she's a big true crime junkie, and um, I, I would I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention this. And uh, she she's a long uh, long time crime junkie, and a long time very quality ballet dancer. Very cool. And so like she she's been a Nutcracker multiple times as as the queen and and she did the 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 waltz with the flowers yes she did that too um so when i messaged her i said i get to interview uh devony penn she said the ballet dancer that played casey anthony and i was <laughs> like um yeah yes <laughs> and that's the best introduction i've ever gotten so tell your fiance <laughs> Well, her name's Maddie. She she's uh. Oh, she's, you she sound like a, my kind of people. I can't wait to chat with you. Yes, she 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 definitely was just. It just took me back because I was like, "What the heck?" Like, I'm talking about the excitement behind, like, "Oh, I'm getting to interview this actress in a horror genre," and she just pulls ballet dancer and Casey Anthony, and I was like, "Okay, well, that's your your two your <laughs> roads that you 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 traveled down." So. So I love all things darkness and yeah. um, I, I try to do every subgenre that there is that's been on my bucket list as far as my resume. So that way, no matter kind of what your jam is, there'll be like that one title that I can tell you, hey, if you like, you want to watch my stuff, here's what you should watch. Mm -hmm. So obviously, if you like true crime, Casey Anthony is going to be like one of the big things you go to. Um, not many people bring up the dancing. So that's really cool. And again, um, a lot of girls who are kind of into our scene at this point. They did start in in ballet. There's a lot of ballerinas, and for some reason, I don't know what. Maybe because mm. like ballet is actually really brutal. It like, is. It's very. Brutal. I you know I was this young little girl, and um, you know I was in I was in class 30, 40 hours a week on top of like my schooling. Um, yeah. Just hour after hour, I I would lose toenails. I had no skin on any of my toes. They were like several bones were broken at all times, and you still have to put your whole body weight on it for you know hours every single day it's a brutal bloody gross disciplined dark dark <laughs> it's the horror of the dancing it's, world yeah it is it's hard it's very hard felt and i didn't really think about that until very recently but there's I, something they do to us when we're growing up that i think a lot of us end up uh right here in in, in the dark side of stuff and yeah. uh and a lot of people also too in musical theater things come in, uh, come up and end up in indie film and in indie horror. So um, there's a great group of creative, awesome people, and they kind of overlap each other right here. And that's why I love you know I love my genre because you find the coolest people for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the wise people have always said the best place to start is the beginning. So where did it all start for you? Um, I honestly ballet. I am. Um, I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. I grew up in a very um, protective, strict home. Um, so I did lots of extracurricular activities. So mm -hmm. um, I was always being groomed towards a career or another. Um, my mom would have preferred me to be a doctor or a lawyer, but alas, I ended up a screen queen. I, I did ballet until um, I was prof going professional um, in my teens. And then I just broke too many bones in my feet and they weren't healing correctly so I really kind of fell behind and so that turned into just focusing on musical theater um and I went to, to college on an opera scholarship I intended to go into opera and um 
from there, I, I was getting residency in college, trying to mm-hmm. get the tuition down. And I was trying to find more musical theater groups where I was in the West Coast because I, I grew up in Jersey and I was going to school out West and I couldn't find any um, theater at the time, um, but I did find an independent film audition. And I was like, so I was like, what the fuck is an indie film, right? <laughs> Never heard of that. My mom called me. She's like, it's porn. Don't do it. And I'm like, <laughs> So I, I, I went to an audition just for the, for the education of doing an audition and um, it turned out to be an indie horror movie. And I booked the lead in it just on a fluke, the right place, right time. Um, It did well overseas and um, it got the attention of some conventions here. um, And Lloyd Kaufman from trauma. Yes. Yes. So my uncle Lloyd, uh, he took me under his wing right away. He taught me all about the business. He introduced me to a ton of people. And from there, they were like, hey, I saw your film. Come do my film. And before I knew it, I was just shooting movie after movie. And um, I was missing school to go film constantly. And so eventually I just dropped out. I was like, all right, well, school will be there. I'm just going to ride this little wave for a while. When it slows down, I'll go back. And I just never went back. I've been filming in horror ever since. And um, and I absolutely absolutely love it uh like your awesome chick uh yes. true crime is my favorite yes i am a sucker for true crime so um and since you've seen some of my movies thank you by the way oh. um there's a lot of uh true crime stories and influence in almost every piece that i've done mm-hmm. um in some fashion or another um the most obvious being uh black dahlia haunting yeah. where um it was the first time I really got to, to dive into. I loved the Black Dahlia case as well. And so um, we consulted both um, on the paranormal, um, Britt Griffith from the show Ghost Hunters on Sci-Fi. Um, he partnered with us on it, helped write the scripts. So we got the authentic aspect of the paranormal, how yeah. ghosts would interact. And then um, we we commissioned a, a Hollywood nostalgia specialist out here who does all the, the nostalgia tours. And mm-hmm. so he actually took us around to um, educate us on Elizabeth Short, where she hung out, who she hung out with. Um, oh. And so we got a lot of background there. And from there, we crafted the script for Black Dahlia Haunting. And um, when we first see her in the movie, she's standing just kind of what appears to be someone's front yard, which it actually was. Hopefully they didn't see the film. Um, but in all actuality, that is the exact location in which um, Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia's body, was found when she was deceased. Whoa. Yes. So if you look up, and the way you can mark it in present day, obviously now it's been built over. It was a field um, yeah. in that, that time period. But now it is, it's a, um, a full-on neighborhood. The only thing that's left of the original crime scene photos is a fire hydrant. So if you look closely, if you go back and watch the movie, you'll see just behind the first time we see Elizabeth Short's uh, ghost, so to speak, um, she's standing right by the fire hydrant on it. Whoa. So. Yeah, there's a and there's a lot of things throughout the movie where we played real aspects of the film, um, and it was actually pretty cool. That movie um, and the involvement of Ghost Hunters and Sci-Fi Network um, actually got them to reopen the case, and so they went in and started doing um, additional investigations, and they they hit on additional evidence, which I think they presented in one of the um, the following seasons for Ghost Hunters. And they, wow. they think that they were able to put it together. So pretty cool. It's proof. Tiny little movies, just inspiring, like real world stuff. It's so cool. It's really awesome. Uh, what yeah. do you think it is about the genre of horror that keeps you and fans coming back? I think it's because um, everybody has 
good and evil in them, right? Humans are a full spectrum of, of emotions, intent, feelings. And so um, horror movies are cathartic. They're a release. Mm-hmm. It's a healthy outlet to put the dark side, the dark corners of us in. Um, even if you know you watch the news, if you if you go out in the day, like if you see a, a wreck on the freeway, like you can't not look, right? So we are oh. we are as human beings um, drawn to the dark a little bit. So horror movies are a fun, healthy outlet to drop that stuff off, and we need it. We need that release. Yeah. You know, people like you and I are here to <laughs> give it to them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you just uh, recently celebrated a birthday, 33, mm-hmm. a couple months younger than me. I'm, I'm uh, nerdy and 30. Yeah. Yeah, you're 30 and nerdy. Um, <laughs> so you're an actress in 80 plus movies, television, a scream queen, a producer, a writer, a mother. When do you sleep? I don't. <laughs> between like coffee and wine it's a whole thing um <laughs> they have a saying you know you sleep when you're dead i don't like to say that because i portray dead a lot yeah. so um and i don't get to sleep then either just pretend so <laughs> i um i'm a very passionate person and you know i love what i do and mm. i don't take that for granted um i'm also someone of i'm a woman of faith so um i thank god every day for the opportunity to do what I love. And that, you know, that fuels me. I wake up in the morning, you know, after just a tiny bit of sleep, mm-hmm. but I, I can't wait to start the day. You know, I yeah. can't wait to to do more of what I love. And so, um, so that just kind of keeps me going. I, I, I love my job and, you know, and I love my family and my life and I love getting to talk to, you know, other people who enjoy it too. It just yeah. kind of gets you all yeah, <laughs> pushes that passion even more yeah absolutely uh, and we, we've used the term squ- scream queen quite a bit uh you've been named a scream queen in the genre in your industry uh these are t- this is a title that's been given to the likes of jamie lee curtis nev campbell heather langenkamp janet lee and now devony penn well how does that feel what's that like it's um when i when press first um gave me that title i was just i didn't understand the weight of what I was being given. I of course was, you know, hashtag humbled, but like (laughs) I, I, as I've grown in my career, the more work that I've done, I really understand um, what an honor it is to, to be put in the likes of people who are iconic, Mm -hmm. who are the best at what they do. Um, People that I admire and look up to um, some of which I've had the privilege of working with and, you know, anyone, no matter what your profession, you you generally want to do a good job. You want to leave an impact with the work that you do. And so, you know, my my corner of the biz is no different. Um, it's it's a wonderful feeling. It makes me want to work even harder mm-hmm. um, for people who who you know are watching the work that I do and enjoying it. I you know, it makes me want to keep upping the ante and and keep putting out yeah. more and more stuff. And and hopefully, you know making good on on that honor of a title now is it true that the police have come to your rescue because of filming like because calls have been made yes um so 
if, if you watch true crime, there's definitely a variety of titles that I can suggest to you that I've done that are a lot of fun. Um, some of my favorite stuff to shoot is torture material. Mm. Um, I love torture films. Uh, I think because I really like the makeup side of it and the stunts and effects and, and it's like very heavy in that subgenre. So um, it's something that I spent a lot of time really perfecting. Um, I did a lot of research um, medically, um, biologically. I did a lot of a lot of research to try to more authentically portray um, when stuff's going down. Yeah. And um, thanks to my opera contribution, sorry, mom, um, yeah. I really learned how to scream for my diaphragm so I could really project and keep that going for a long time. Uh, probably not what she was hoping I was going to use that for, but it does. So when you combine them all together, um, I'm I'm somewhat decent at um, at torture sequences, yeah. and yeah. Um, a variety of times uh, I have one in particular, which I ended up documenting in some of my interviews. I was like bound and gagged, and um, there's been times when they've come to to save me. And it doesn't look very good, but it's easy to see, like, after you spend a little time on there, okay, this is a film set. But one set in particular um, was more of an avant-garde art type film. And so the crew was literally, like, super skeleton. And I was I was bound and gagged to a chair and really, really beat up. And there's one creepy-looking dude, like, in his underwear with a camcorder. And that's the whole scene in this warehouse. And the screw was and the, the crew that was super super skeleton is a couple of people because they really wanted a like an authentic feel to this particular sequence. So the cops come in and it really just looks like like a snuff video in progress with this creepy oh, dude and this little little handy cam thing. And there's no official like camera crew setup. So they like detained the few filmmakers that were on site. Oh. They are like untied me, ungagged me. They had to interview me and like do, do a whole background check to make sure that like when I said, oh no, no, we're just, we're just acting. It's just a, a thing. They made us playback footage of other scenes and things to make sure it wasn't like an ongoing thing. So it was a whole like several hour investigation to make sure. And they said that you had, you know, they had heard reports from like neighboring businesses that somebody was dying here and you know it took a while to convince them that you know just another day at the office <laughs> a huge compliment you know um, yeah yeah it's a big compliment to your work we talked a little bit about your early life you you toured internationally and nationally uh even at one point with the russian ballet for nutcracker yes. one of the yeah. things that in your repertoire that, that garnered my attention in your early life uh, as, as one of these kids myself is your musical theater. You've played roles that many women, many girls at that age, like Ava Perone and Christine Daae, that, yeah. that they never will get to say that they played. So you've got this opera, you've yeah. got ballet touring, you've been prominent lead roles in, you know, titles of musical theater that people would dream to have on their resume did you just once you got the film bug just never go back do you still dance do you still think of theater sometimes that's a great question um I think and you probably know because if you're a theater kid it never really leaves you like you mm -hmm. go on to do other stuff a little bit but you always you always have that bug a little bit um actually one of the few things that has been on my list that I haven't gotten to do was a horror musical 
And oh, um, yes. during COVID, I got cast in one. I was so excited. Like we had amazing um, New York orchestral musicians attached to do all original music. It was going to be like really freaking cool. I was so excited about it. Probably one of the most excited I've been for a project. And unfortunately, as it happened sometimes um, during the funding process, something got wonky and it got shelved for a little while. But I am like really praying that it comes back from the dead. Excuse the fun. Uh, because I just really, I think there's a, mar- it's one of those things that like you have to prove there's a market for it. Oh, and, um, yeah, absolutely. But I feel like there really is. I feel like, you know, again, the theater kids are, you know, would love it, would absolutely love it and and come out for it, I think. So hopefully we get to do that. But I, you know, I, I did get to play some, I mean, some of the coolest roles that there are available for, for, you know, my age group and, and my type. And um, I'm not sure changing that. I really, if, if it doesn't get to pick back up, I feel very satisfied in what I was able yeah. to accomplish there. But um, I, you know, and usually when you're, you're a theater kid, you, you do dance, you do sing, you do a little yeah. bit of everything. And so um, I was really exploring that. I was in a pop girl group for a short while. That was a whole thing. Like I did a little bit of everything, just really diving into creativity and just, just immersing exploring yourself. that, immersing myself yeah. in the in creativity. And we, when I found film, it just kind of all made sense for me. Okay. Um, I was never a great theater actor. Um, I was a pretty good dancer. It's pretty good vocalist. Um, ironically, acting on stage was my weakest element. Um, in in one of my more recent roles in the theater, I literally had like the director like this off in the wings. He came out and he was like, just say the lines as fast as you can to get to the next song. You just want to hear you say, not just say good. the lines. Yeah, it was not good because, um, because, and I mean, I'm not doing a very good job in this interview of being subtle, but um, <laughs> when I'm on, when I'm acting on stage, I, I was very, very subtle in my, yeah. my mannerisms. And so it didn't work well on stage, but what I ended up finding was that it worked really well on camera. Yes. Um, yes. And so all of my elements, you know, my movement, my vocals, um, my expressions here, it all really came together and just lent to um, potentially being successful in film. And yeah. I just, it just made sense to me. I love it. I love there's it. Been, there's been times where I've worked with directors coming off of like an independent film and then I'll get back on stage and they'll say like, I can tell you just did because you're acting subtle Yes. People back there won't see subtle. Right. They need to, you need everybody in every seat to see. Yes. And it doesn't translate well on stage, whereas right. it, it's amazing on film. Um, yes. But on the flip side, you can tell um, you can tell theater actors who are trying to make the switch to film, too, because they do everything. Like they're big. This. Yes. yes. Um, and, you know, and then half of acting on camera is just the tiniest little twitch in your eye or the slightest little movement, it tells you so much. So, you know, it's really just finding out where you can excel and tell your story the best, whatever medium that is, and then just really perfecting it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, another one of my guilty pleasures of how I know who you are is late high school, early college. I was into reality television and... (laughs) 
<laughs> one of the shows that I watched religiously for some reason was Rock of Love. I ever don't don't even feel bad about that. <laughs> Everybody at that moment was watching Rock of Love. I had no idea how huge that show was going to be. Yeah, um, and, and, and I mean, I was a fan of Brett Michaels and Poison and. I, I had always wanted to be in an 80s musical and I finally like down the road got to do Rock of Ages and so yeah. that was really cool but I, it didn't click to me that oh that's where I've also seen her until I was on your IMDB and I was like son of a gun she well, was it, it in Rock of Love it was a very very short stint yes, so was. I was I was actually um, recruited for season one before mm-hmm. it was a thing and um i was a teenager i was the youngest um contestant on it by far and i um i had i'm not gonna totally out myself but i had been dating around um and i had dated a couple of 80s rock stars stars. i guess you could say um i didn't even know or care who they were because i was like you know it's like 18 years old whatever um, but so that kind of got around a little bit and, um, the reality show producers got their hands on me. And so they brought me in and I ended up getting cast on the show, but I didn't know what rock of love was. I didn't really care. And like my parents were calling me being like, you're doing pop girl groups and, you know, musical theater. like, are you going to go to college? What's happening? And I had like, just kind of dropped college at that point. Cause I was filming a lot too. Yeah. Um, and ultimately they're like you have to have a fallback plan to do something and so i compromised with them and decided to become a flight attendant because i could go to flight attendant school um yeah, you, have your, you have your license don't you? yes yes so this was that I, I had been accepted to um to do express flights for united and us air mm-hmm. and I, I got the job i had to go to an intensive um like full-time school for for three months in order to get my 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 license to do it and that just happened to coincide with the taping of Rock of Love. <laughs> and so I went back and forth on it like for several weeks. And finally, um, I I was like, I have to be responsible. It's like, no one's going to watch this show. I was like, they're not paying very well. <laughs> I was like, let's do the responsible thing. And, you know, I'll keep filming my little movies, but like, we're just going to say no to the show. So I and called it, them and told and them what was happening. Up. And they're like, hey, don't worry about it. No, no, do your responsible thing. You're good. You're good. And then, of course, Rock of Love happens, right? So they put me on um, on MTV's website, like on the cover of it for a while as part of um, the casting tapes. Mm-hmm. So they, they did all my, because I, I had taped everything up until the first episode. Yeah. And so there's a lot of behind the scenes and like getting ready to do it stuff. So they put all that on there. And like, I was a fan favorite from that. So um, season two came. And the reality show producers called me up. They're like, hey, are you done with that flight stuff? And I was like, yeah, I'm done. Um, and I had barely done it. I did like a few months on the job and then I had to leave to go shoot a movie. And they're like, that's not how the, like real life works. So, um, I so I was fired. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> so yeah. So I, I was just filming at that point. I was like, all right, come and do this show. So, um, so I went through the whole passing process again. I got to the finale. They picked um, the same 20 girls again to, to start it and um i i don't think even the reality show producers knew this at the time but i had gotten deathly ill like mm. super super i had 103 fever in their hotel room like in between wow. taping yeah and so i was like downing tylenol and downing like emergency trying to just 
look and sound coherent when I did my initial interviews and my initial photos they make you do and everything. Um, and for season two, they you had to come with a talent to show Brett. And so I had recorded like a rock song dedicated to him the week before. So I had been like, in addition to all the other stuff, I had been like in the studio recording full time to do this whole track to show for the tape. So by the time I actually got to filming, I was just... I looked gross. I sounded gross. I was just a hot mess of ew. And the show producers came in and they're like, are you okay? this the same girl? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so they were like, oh, okay. and then I went to do my photos for, for the photo shoot and I put everything into, I got all dressed up and they're like, oh, she looks hot again. So they let me do episode one. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, um, so like I said, I, I am someone of faith. So I, um, I was very publicly at the time a virgin. I did not have, mm -hmm. uh, I practiced abstinence until yeah. marriage. So, um, so apparently um, the show producers and Brett found that out and mm. they like, they either wanted to make me the, the, the I don't know if I can say this. They wanted to make me either the winner um, ah. because of ah. that, or they wanted to. For a story. For right. a story. Kind of like, oh, right. let's carry this story to the end. Right. Ah. And so they were trying to gate without asking directly, they're trying to gauge my interest of like how committed I would be to the story's end. And um there there was a liability waiver like this thick. I shit, you know, like this thick there to go through the storyline. And so I was like, No, I don't think I wanted to. And shocker. I was kicked off on day one. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Uh, I always kind of dog people now, even though I just said that was my guilty pleasure for a while. I mean, I watched them all like the celebrity fit camp where they got all yeah. the old heavy celebrities and helped them lose weight and yep. uh, all the, you know, eighties and early nineties stars to live in a house yeah. together that don't, you yeah. know, where are they now type of thing. I watched them all. They're doing and... my movies. That's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's funny because it's it's true but uh, and now i look at people who have there's like been this like resurgence of reality tv you know yeah. you've got the kardashians are back which my sister loves um yep. <laughs> you got you know even down to like the wwe they have different reality shows now and people are so invested in it and i'm like guys this is just as put on as, as movies and TV it's, are. It's really like most, not all of it, but most of it is just as scripted as scripted is. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, instead of line by line, it's a very, very detailed scene. Mm -hmm. And then they say, put the camera on you and say, go. And I really felt like for a minute we had outgrown it. Like I thought we had seen the end, the light in the tunnel, like, yeah. okay, we're going to move past this reality era. Yeah. And then this whole nostalgia era with reality came out. Here we all invested all over again. Did you I do can't. any other reality TV other than Rock of Love? I I was I did I did the finals for a variety of shows for all from that era. Like they were trying to figure out so like um, the Paris these, these Hilton companies really loved me, wanted to figure out where I was going to star in one of their shows. And so I did, yeah, I did Paris Hilton's uh, new best friend. New BFF, yeah. New BFF. Well, I love Paris Hilton. So I would, I would do that anyway. Yeah. Um, and I did, uh, I did shot at love season two. Okay. I did um, with Tia Tequila, which 
was way cooler at the time than it is now. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I did, gosh, I did a bunch. I did Scream Queens. Oh, yeah. And um, I actually taped a little bit of that one uh, because they wanted an actual Scream Queen to compete oh, against yeah. all the girls who are starting. And they were trying to they be. Decided, they're like, wait a minute, Scream Queens, we're trying to turn somebody into a Scream Queen. That doesn't make any sense. And they booted me off. That, what are you going to do? <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> well, but you, you like, can't be the Scream Queen unless you right. go the distance and beat a Scream Queen. I Well, that's what I thought. I was down, right? Yeah. And, so I think I think somebody in in the um, story department thought that was kind of cool, but ultimately they they wanted to build their own star, and um, so it it was a conflict. But I again I went through the initial parts of it, and yeah. so it was a lot of fun. Um, and the girls that I was there with, they were all just lovely, like really and really good actors. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun too. But um, ultimately, I I got to dabble in like the height of reality, reality a lot of like yeah. stuff but um but a lot of them got contracted into these um these story franchises and they weren't allowed to do anything else for a long period of time because they were associated with that brand no freedom no kinda freedom like when, whatsoever like so winners of like, like the voice and stuff have to get they, yeah. get they get sucked into years of this and and have no creative freedom Even if you, especially if you win you would think yeah. that's gonna like start your career no they own you mm-hmm. they own you and so um it actually kills more careers than it makes and i didn't again i kept thinking at the time i'm like why can't i get this one i was like i can't get the story right i'm not in the right spot at the right time i was so frustrated as a stupid young girl and reality again she's fun um, the reality of it is that um, I really lucked out because I got all the perks and the fun of the initial phases of, of doing these shows. Exactly. But none of the none of the um, contractual limitations of making it too far in them where I can't do anything else. So I got to just learn and have fun and drink on MTV and VH1's dime and then like, <laughs> you know, then go back and do my work. And yeah. so it really worked out it worked out great. And I made some great friends along the way. Um, I, some of the rock to love girls I'm still um, close with to these wow. days. And uh, yeah, Jess from season two and Tommy yeah. from season one are, are very good friends of mine. And, um, and some of the others too, Lacey and all them are, are people I still keep in touch with a little bit. So, uh, so it's been fun. Just lots and lots of fun. They're creepy, kooky, mysterious, and spooky. And they're coming to Encore Theatrical Company this October. The Adams Family, a comical feast that embraces the wackiness in every family, features an original story, and it's every father's nightmare. Wednesday Adams, the ultimate princess of darkness, has grown up and fallen in love with a sweet, smart young man from a respectable family, a man her parents have never met. And if that wasn't upsetting enough, Wednesday confides in her father and begs him not to tell her mother. Now, Gomez Adams must do something he's never done before keep his secret from his beloved wife, Morticia. Everything will change for the whole family on the fateful night they host a dinner for Wednesday's normal boyfriend and his parents. The Adams Family, the next installment in Encore's Young Star series, runs October 7th through the 16th at Encore's new home at Oak Tree Plaza, 1570 Buffalo Trail in Morristown, Tennessee. For tickets to this show or season tickets for the remainder of this season, go to etcplays.org or call 423-813-8331. 
Encore Theatrical Company believes in the power of the arts. And if you come check out what Encore has to offer, we're certain you will too, because it's not just theater, it's Encore. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Established in the summer of 2015, Tennessee Legend Distillery is more than just another moonshine stop in the Smoky Mountains. From our multi-award winning silky smooth salted caramel whiskey to our king snake two-year-old bourbon whiskey, our local favorite vodka, and even our legendary line of cream liqueurs, there is something for everyone. Focusing on a small town vibe, our family and friend owned and operated business has kept us grounded to the heritage of the volunteer state with our fun, courteous, and smiling staff. Come in for free tastings and leave with your spirit of choice, whether it be Richard's Damn Good Gin or the legendary Hammershine. You can find us on social media by searching Tennessee Legend Distillery, where you can see behind the scenes features new deals, and our always fan-favorite Thirsty Thursday cocktail recipes. Now we do have two locations here in Sevierville, one on Highway 66, one on Newport Highway. We also have locations in Cookville and Nashville. If you do visit our Sevierville location located at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway, tell them the guys at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. You'll receive a free shot glass, and 15% off your purchase. What are you waiting for? Come be a legend at Tennessee Legend Distillery. Cheers to you, nerds. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael, hi. Oh, well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. I'm Devony Pin, and you are listening to 30 and Nerdy Podcast. So one other thing I wanted to touch back on, and uh, Maddie would kill me if I didn't. Yeah. So you, you got to play Casey Anthony, possibly one of our generation's most hated individuals. You know, yes. What kind of prep goes into something like that? That's a great question. Um, and ironically, I've talked a little bit about her, but um, I haven't done too many interviews on playing Casey um, because I think it's so close to home and it's, it was so recent and yeah. people hate her so much. Yes. Um, so I haven't gotten to talk a lot about her. Um, Did you get uh, backlash in real life? Oh yeah. Playing oh, a person. Oh yeah. Um, it was almost as bad as, as when I played Susan Atkins. And I think that's because, uh, you know, the generations above us 
are really passionate about Manson and that was their generation. And so they feel, feel very strongly about the material being created about him. Um, I got death threats. There's almost, playing. there's almost a fear and a worry of romanticizing. It. Yes, very much so. And so, um, so I was prepared for Casey because of having to deal, having to deal with, um, playing Susan. I was blindsided when I played Susan, but, um, I spent a lot of time one-on-one with people who were attacking me asking what their concerns were and why they felt the way they did. And I don't think anyone's ever done that to some of these people who are really passionately hated them. And the the general consensus was they didn't want it romanticized. They didn't want to give him more press. And so when I explained um, where I was coming from on it and what I was doing as my job as an actor, ultimately people felt a little better about it. So when it came to Casey, um, I got, I got a lot of hate. Um, I got, why would you play her? Why would you want to look like her? Why would you want to promote her? She got away with murder. I mean, they just, they put all the things they wanted to say to Casey on me. On you. Um, and I'm, I'm, first and foremost, just doing my job. It's my job exactly. to, to play her. It's my job to promote the series. And so that's what I did. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to prep to play somebody real. Um, mm-hmm. I played the boogeyman in various games. I played the killer, you know, mm-hmm. and I've played supernatural elements. I played not real aliens, demons. I played Satan. All of those were easier to do. That is very true. That is very yeah. true. Uh, it's very easy to do because there's a very strict line about reality and true life. Yes. When you play somebody's re- reality, when you play somebody real, um, you have to do it authentically because they're a real person that made real choices mm-hmm. that led to real consequences and events um, that impacted the world. And so you can't sugarcoat that. You have to step into their shoes and not only portray what they did, but you have to convincingly portray that this is something that you think and you feel and you want to do. Yes. Because so it's a, it's a, a um because I and we'll talk a little more about your Manson project in a second. But I, for an independent film once called Pig, I had to play Manson, and yes. it was it was it was a torment. It was it was tormenting yes. getting into those shoes and people that I love and respect and care for who love and respect and care for me were not so happy right with the like they were like you know sure your performance was great but we wish you hadn't done it uh you know friends parents who are like i don't know if i want you hanging out with tyler mcdaniel anymore because i saw his manson movie and i i i i don't want you hanging around him anymore and what's really twisted is that's actually a compliment you got right. under their skin. You affected them in their real life, in their day to day. And if you play Charles Manson and someone wasn't upset with you personally afterwards, then you did it not do your full yeah. job. Exactly. And let's talk a little bit about that. You played Susan Atkins, a.k.a. Sexy Sadie, who, if anyone knows just a little bit about Manson, knows that she was she was part at least eight of the nine kills including yes. the big one the sharon tate murders yes how far did you go for that role and how long did it stay for you um it's again it was really my first time portraying a real person so um casey i could 
turn off shortly after playing her. Um, Susan stayed with me for a while and I did a ton of research. Everyone on my, in my cast did, um, House of Manson, which is the film, um, was the first movie to tackle Charles Manson's early life and his upbringing and his formation of the family leading up to the murders. That's where kind of our movie ends. Um, Whereas a lot of other ones had kind of portrayed just the murders themselves. So what we did, we we faced a lot of backlash initially for was humanizing these characters. Yeah. Because I mean, in his early days, what a lot of people don't communicate is he was a musician right you know he, he was, was trying to he make was a it regular guy he was he he was somebody who was swept up in the times who was mm-hmm. looking for his place in the world he loved music um was charming and endearing and seductive and mm-hmm. um could walk into a room whether it was you know a couple of kids a, a pastor or the beach boys and be the center of the mm-hmm. room he, he had people would drawn to him and that's what we really wanted to showcase with it and susan was a big part of that was just that these were real people yes. who got swept up in in a culture in an ideology um in occasionally drug use but mostly just wanting to belong um mm-hmm. wanting a sense of family wanting um wanting a place to be in a time in a place where there wasn't a lot of room for people who who felt lost different um the one felt different yes there there was not a place for them and and with charles manson and his his initial few um they were welcoming to these people and so there are people who are looking for um for faith in a new place, people looking for a home in a new place, people mm-hmm. looking to make music and creativity and and live life in a new, ironically peaceful way. Yeah. And um, just went in the wrong direction. It just kind of got off. It got off the rails. It, and that's what that's the thing. And what we we showed in our movie at first, when it first started, it was a good thing. Everyone was was well intentioned. It was you know a peaceful, just little way of life. And unfortunately, when you get a little glimpse of power, that mm-hmm. can be seductive, that can be, um, that can build. And when you start throwing other elements in there, like a quest for, for fame or, um, or drug use or just an intense day to day in and day out being worshipped yes. by people who needed a, needed a leader a and being put in a position of leading that gets your head messes with you when you, when you create a perfect storm um it really can get out of control and ultimately that's that's where these people were but they, they weren't yeah. they weren't all evil they weren't all good they were just mm-hmm. human and mm-hmm. um and some horrible things transpired and I think that's, that's what scares people about it is because they were human and it reminds us, like you said earlier, no human is innately good or innately no. bad. Everybody has every bit in them and yes. they lost the way. So you talked about some of the people you've gotten to to act alongside. And I mean, I just wrote down a few. I mean, the legend himself, Sid Haig. Yeah. Blair, Vivica Fox, Tara Reed, Daniel Baldwin, Danny Trejo, yes. which I've been a fan of since Con Air. Uh, yes, I love Con Air. Yes. Michael Madsen. Yeah. I, I know there, there, there is a slew of, of more 
stars that you've gotten to appear with and and in all in all honesty in some of the movies that I've seen that you're in that some some former stars are in to make them look good again you know, and, and, and that's a testament to you. I don't know about your comments. It that. is. It is. It's it's a compliment because, I mean, some of them, their careers were a little behind them, but I still loved them. Like Michael Matson, you know, I mean, this is, was the dad and Free Willy when I was a kid. Right. And, I know. And, a lot of people are like, oh, Michael Matson, they have a whole list of that. I'm like, he's, yeah. he's my dad. He's my movie dad from exactly. Free Willy. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> talking to you 30 year olds yes <laughs> people who are older and they're like you know pull a picture or whatever i'm like no 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 kill them none of that he is the free willy dad exactly yes, the dad and free willy um <laughs> are there are there any moments that still stick out as as some of your favorites or um memories that still make you smile with with any individual specifically because i've always heard that danny trejo is just a gem danny is amazing um he's so much fun to work with and um he's you know an older gentleman at this point but you would mm-hmm. never know because he has tons of energy um when i shot with him he was torturing me in the first half and in the second half um we get the jump on him and he gets thrown in the ditch and i toss a chainsaw on him he did mm-hmm. all his own stunts this man whoa fell in a ditch i cannot even he filmed all all freaking day on our, our indie set like 12 i went like 12 hours or something he learned a ton of lines quickly and it just like he's just been doing this so long and he's so prolific like he's like boom 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 um and there's an energy when you're on camera with him like you know it when you watch him but yes, i can exactly. tell somebody on the other side of it working with him it's that same energy if not even more you're like oh, maybe it's because i'm like oh it's Danny Trejo. <laughs> but yeah it's it's so 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 much fun and um he wasn't you know he wasn't scared with the material either that's the other thing is sometimes um these stars are are hesitant especially when you're doing horror movies or like questionable material this you know this thing was a little bit controversial it was potentially picking up and kidnapping you know young girls and killing them and you know danny was like i'll do it <laughs> just did not like, like literally nothing phased him he's been you know there and back and ever in between so he's like totally up for the challenge um as a you know as a performer and absolutely a pro and i learned a lot about um filming from filming with him because oh, that was yeah. earlier on in my career he's he's absolutely wonderful and makes a great taco We'll plug for Trejo's tacos. Yeah, we'll plug. Um, speaking of Vivica A. Fox, uh, I saw your movie Crossbreed. And when I did a little uh, research about it, it was the first film ever to cast a woman of color for the president of the United States. Yes. Obviously, that's huge. Um, yeah. And, and you know, not to make too much of an aside, it's, it's crazy that at that late in our, our life that's huge you know it, it shouldn't be a huge thing it should not be a huge thing and that's what's so crazy about it is um you know we we ended up making history on that film um and uh we got worldwide press from it vivica mm-hmm. was on prime time on the view during the uh during the election well it was i guess it was trump and, and hillary at that point um during the election because of that role because of that 
accomplishment. Yeah. And let me just tell you, like, I would love, I would love to be able to take credit for like intentionally doing that. We just thought she's an iconic actor mm-hmm. and I, I would truly believe that in the future she would be president. And it yes. was literally as simple as that. Like we wanted oh, to cast I, I believe every second it. of it. I believed every second of her performance. We didn't know until um, we sent out the initial casting announcement to the trades. And I, I wish I remember who it was. I want to say maybe it was Variety um, broke that for us and, mm-hmm. and, and acknowledged that um, it was the first time that this had happened in the casting. And uh, Which automatically comes with, it comes with everybody like, whoa, whoa, what, what? Yeah. And we literally were just like, uh, Brandon Cycle, who I worked with a lot, was trying to transition from more horror to action. And this was kind of a, a crossbreed yeah, cross of the two. Yeah. And, um, and so we literally just wanted to make something fun. It, he loves 80s action. He loves canon films. That's third gen. I can't, whatever. Um, so he, <laughs> he wanted to tell that love letter to that, that subgenre. And so we went to make something fun. And we both, you know, idolized Vivica Fox as the icon that she is. And um, it so happened we had the same agent at the same time. And so, you know, I begged and pleaded and and, and begged some more and pitched like crazy. And eventually she was like, all right, give this annoying young chick producer a chance <laughs> at her dumb little sci-fi movie. And bless her. She she believed in us. She came out. She worked really hard on it. Like she designed her like her look. Um, she did tons of press on it for us. She promoted it. She still promotes it for us. Um, and I actually, we were just in touch with her a few days ago. We're still, we're still on that um, working relationship. She's wonderful. Um, and we ended up making history. So again, it's just another aspect of like, when you do what you love, you just make your little, little passion project here and there and you never know the impact it's going to have. Absolutely. Uh, now let's talk about a big reason you're here. Uh, you oh, yeah. are your, your oh, yeah, new, Frost. yeah, Frost. Sorry, okay. my oh my God, October Coast, Cleopatra Entertainment. I swear to God, we're getting on Frost. Yes, <laughs> yes. And and we will not talk spoilers, obviously. Uh, if you're wanting to know more about Frost, you have to see the movie. Watched it twice now. Thank you for, oh, for that opportunity. How has the reception been? Um, everyone is side-eyeing me. And uh, uh, it's been very... I'm full of puns and it's very hot and cold is the reaction. Um, I, I'm not really that funny. I don't know what's happening. So uh, the general consensus, fortunately for me, is everyone seems to enjoy my performance. Yay. Yes. I'm off the hook. Um, but uh, people either absolutely loved it or absolutely think we're sick, twisted fucks who should you know what is wrong with us and why and there should be warnings and where people are mad at us <laughs> well and it's kind of like we talked before we started recording because it's real yes because it's true it's yeah. based on a true story and you didn't that's, change anything that's the thing. i i i mean people i've got a lot of questions for people who didn't like it like why did you go that direction with it i didn't do anything the writer didn't do anything this is a true yeah. story I think a better question, man, I can't, I don't know how to, I really want to talk about this overall issue and it's hard without doing it. There are a lot of unknowns and taboos. I guess I'll put this this way uh, when it comes to pregnancy and birth and the aftermath of that, that are not talked about. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of things that happen physically, psychologically to both mom and baby at, during and after birth that um, is a really real issue and that mm-hmm. is more um, rampant than we realize and I think very much contributed to our unfortunate true story in this case and something that I hope if you didn't like this movie that you will still um, bring to the forefront that particular issue. And so that's kind of uh, the talking points that I've had for, uh, it's been a lot of women. A lot of women are mad at me for this this movie. Ironically, the guys, especially the horror fans, are like, this movie, I thought it was going to be a Lifetime movie of the week. You guys started with this pregnant chick and Vernon crying. I was like, I can't even. You know, all these guys are like, oh, I have to review this PG piece of shit. No. So they were all pleasantly surprised on how things went down. And by the end, like, they didn't see it coming. Like, yeah, this is a cool movie. Yeah. Um, the women were like, I loved this movie for the first half. And then it just got, Jonathan, I just don't understand why you did the turns that you did. And, you know, did it really have to go there? And I'm like, well, does yes. life have to yes. go there? Great question. Touche. <laughs> does, does, does life does have it, to take the turns that it makes? It doesn't have to, but it does. Pleasant stories, and usually it's me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> Now, did the the pandemic interfere with the project? Yes. So, well, I I wrote the the, the pandemic um helps bring this to fruition because okay. um we were all kind of I had shot several movies already actually at this point during the pandemic we were at the height of it now and I was very visibly pregnant for some reason mm-hmm. also very taboo was having pregnant women on screen you can't apparently which I want to change too. Um, so as soon as I started to show too much, then everyone was like, okay, we'll see you next year. And I was like, really? All right. And so I, I am a workaholic. This was the only time in my entire career where I was like forced to not work. So I had, I had settled into my little pregnant, you know, cozy corner over here. And I was going to like, just chill for a few months. Meanwhile, um, our EP who is wheeling and dealing, like that's what he does. James Cullen Brassick. Hello. Mm. Um, he was trying to put together deals and this the few companies that normally would green light productions were really hesitant because as you know very well uh, at the height of the pandemic the whole market had changed you know these major 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 tv shows were all filming on their phones from home i mean nobody really knew what what our space looked like they didn't know if television was coming back they didn't know if movies were coming back theaters that were closed you know what yeah. i mean so, so nobody wanted to take a chance and green light movies for real during this time. And so Cleopatra Records, being the awesome people that they are, um, they said, okay, we want to do something, but we're going to do a little something, you know, so that way if, if, if it never sees the light of day because the industry's over, you know, we, we're not out a lot. So they're like, find a story that you can tell um, intimately. And so um, our EP was scouring the internet for true stories because, like us, he he likes content that's um, based organic, in true life, real, organic, yes, real. Um, and so he came across that, and he literally just texted me the article. It was like, "Are you down?" Oof. Right? That's what I did. <laughs> so I literally I sat there and thought about it for a while, and then I was like, "Yeah." Yeah. I'm down. It's a challenge. I wanted to challenge myself. Yeah. Exactly. And um, we shot it during COVID. So it was literally 
uh, micro budget and um, skeleton crude mm -hmm. and um, and as real as possible all the elements um, that show shot on a mountain in the snow in the mm -hmm. hail and uh, we shot with a real wolf shadow who mm -hmm. we talked about before we came on here um, super pro uh, he's actually got a, the longest list of any of us Vernon and myself included and um, he's uh, he's one of the wolves from uh, Game of Thrones. One of the dire wolves. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. did. I did so, notice that on IMDb. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And uh, ultimately, we, you know, our whole team was uh, really prolific. They've all done big studio blockbusters and all started as no budget indie kids like us and um, and everything in between. So they also, during the pandemic, they were like up for the challenge of kind of going back to the roots and seeing if we could tell the story with just like a few of us and limited resources and like, could we make it hang? And the goal was to make a movie that, although it was COVID safe mm -hmm. and um, and contained, that it didn't feel like a COVID movie. You know, it's not people yeah. on their phones for the whole thing. Like it, we wanted it to hold up after the pandemic yeah. had uh, had come down a little bit and so I think it does. I think it holds up on its own. Um, it's definitely not for everyone. It does get very disturbing. Um, if that's kind of your jam or you're curious, you probably are going to feel the payoff on this one for sure. So talking about the pregnancy aspect, when the twist happens, knowing that you are literally pregnant at the time. Yes. Uh, quite a ways, you know, along like you know six closer months at that point yeah, yeah for those you were six months six pregnant months. at that the maneuvers that you had to do the the jaw-dropping twist the um did it how did it affect not just mentally but like you're actually pregnant you're not wearing a, a, a belly you're, that you're is not a belly that is all me um it's it was probably the hardest film i've ever shot um, and I've done a lot of stuff at this point. I've done a lot of really physical, really emotional roles, but this, this trumped the both, um, because it was so personal. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was hard for me physically because, uh, there were no breaks. We shot 12 hour days. We shot straight through because, you know, that's the schedule the finances would allow us to do. And, um, usually when you do a really intense scene, they schedule it. So you shoot that and then you have a break for a while and you come back and they shoot somebody else, but there's nobody else to shoot. It's just me. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if I was exhausted, if, if, you know, my heart rate was up too high and the baby was feeling stressed out, there wasn't a lot of downtime to fix that. And so I was constantly worried, like I was getting too cold. I wasn't eating well. I, I was doing too much to rev myself up and I would start to get into it like as an actor mm -hmm. and then the baby would start to stress. And mm -hmm. so I would freak out as a mom, like, oh my God, I'm hurting the baby for real here. What am I doing? Um, and so it was a constant battle back and forth to to give an authentic performance that this really requires um, to, yeah. to make the story work. And then also to take care of myself and, and the baby for real. So, um, so it was really hard. And then some of the material that uh, the events that happened to this woman um, were very emotionally you know, traumatizing. I actually, this is the first movie that I had done that I had access to the footage afterwards that I didn't watch it. Mm -hmm. I, um, I had seen pieces of it, but I did not watch the movie in its entirety until the premiere, um, last week. Wow. Because it was, 
it hit too close to home. It was too much. So what was that like seeing it for the first time? Weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was weird. Um, I had a few cocktails, kind of like a little liquid courage. And uh, um, I'm not pregnant anymore. Just for, yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyone who's watching, I'm not pregnant anymore. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, you know, it was, it was intense to watch because I don't like watching myself on camera anyway. I don't know how you feel about it, but like, I can't focus on a story. I'm like, I'm critiquing my performance. I'm watching the lighting. Like, oh, there's a sound error. That, like, I can't, like, I can't lose myself in it. But this one, it's, and you, you watched it twice now. So props yeah. to you. Um, yeah. It's a stressful watch. It's like it's stressful. an intense, yeah. So um, again, not for everybody, but, uh, but if you're, if you like it dark, <laughs> you like the darkness, and you're looking for something you're probably not going to see coming, I I recommend it for um, sure. I, I I found myself verbally yelling, "Someone help this poor girl!" Like you're telling me there's no one around. I'm like, I'm like come on! I'm like, how dare no. my father live out in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> yeah. You selfish jerk! Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it it was intense uh, and and everything you just talked about showed it it conveyed on screen thank you successfully as actors sometimes we we take on passion projects sometimes we take on things that we think will be fun and kind of easy but most of the time an actor takes a role because they see something that might change their talent a little bit coming out of it a challenge what's something that you've you've taken away from this movie a lesson or, or a challenge that you kind of tackled besides being pregnant um that yeah. you have in your repertoire um well i i had a lot of women um who had and some men um who were fathers who were like you're really gonna do this project and i was like yeah i could do it yeah now having been pregnant um I know what a joke that is. So I, I, what I took from it is like, one, don't be pregnant. So I'm a one and done. And two, uh, don't film very pregnant. It is, it's too much. Like, mm-hmm. and I, that's a lot coming for me because there's pretty much nothing that I won't do on camera. Uh, it's, it's too much. It's really, really hard. So there's that. On the flip side, um, I, because of the, the genre that I do, I can cry on cue. And so I've had that for a while. I have my little routine that I do. I think I've got it down to like just five to six seconds. I can cry on cue. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, I now have new material after doing this movie. Like I had to go to places, dark places for it. And um, I now have new fresh source material. Kind of being a mom um, has re- reworked my priorities and my emotions a little bit. Mm-hmm. Cause I had it very compartmentalized, you know, uh, you know, from doing horror movies, there's there's a formula to horror. Um, yes. There are beats to hit. There, you know, it it can become routine. So I was I was very prolific in my routine. This movie um, washed that all off. I, yeah. I am now starting fresh, fresh material. Um, this movie did not fit any of those routine uh, elements in any aspect, and um, and it really shoved me as a performer it kind of got me out of every every safety net that i had every um every go-to that i had it was just all off the table on this so i really felt fair and and vulnerable as as a human being and as a performer on this so this movie really 
was very personal and um and shook things up and i think i've grown as a performer yeah. from it so so i'm taking that with me and and moving on and i now have a I have an appetite for uh for more true stories i'm really yeah. looking to do more at this point i've kind of got yeah. you got bit by the bug i got bit by the bug yeah i really want it and that happens that happens anytime <laughs> you tackle something new i think yeah um so you actually also have a a creature horror movie coming out uh, with with Casper Van Dien, yeah. Uh, which I mean, St- Starship Troopers, Sleepy Hollow. I've always been a fan, and I didn't know until maybe last year uh, he did a movie based off of one of my favorite short stories in high school, The Most Dangerous Game. Yes, and that just came out, I think. Right? Yeah, and yeah. I finally got to see it and I was like, Oh my God, they finally brought this story to life. You know, yeah. and they did it well. And cause I didn't love school, but uh, one of the things that I, I put, I still can talk about to this day is that short story, the most dangerous game. And I would like throughout my adult life, be like, if I were to ever make a movie, this is who I'd cast, you know, blah, blah, blah. What's it like working with him? First of all, we've, we've talked about some of your other co-stars. Yeah. I, uh, I just thought it was funny what you said. Uh, Brandon, one of the movies he had been pitching that um, they didn't get to make uh, right before the pandemic, ironically, was Most Dangerous Game. He oh, also thought that, that the same way you did love that story. Such school. a good That's story. so funny. Yeah. And then um, go figure, it didn't, we didn't get to greenlight it. And then the company that we ended up working with, um, with Casper, was in the middle of shooting Most Dangerous Game with him. I was like, oh my God, it came full circle. That's so awesome. uh, first of all, let me say Casper is, a wonderful human being he's so sweet like i mean on on camera he's larger than life right he's mm-hmm. big i mean he's just you know but uh in in real life he is super sweet mm-hmm. sweet soft-spoken like nice man um it just really goes to show how much range he has as an actor because it just they're yeah. very very different personalities um so I, I actually met him and his uh, his wife Jennifer, and on a uh, World War II movie we did first. So that actually comes out next month. So I'm plugging that first, um, and it's called Battle for Saipan. It's also a true story. Okay. And a um, little different different animal for me. Um, Brandon Segal got hired to write and direct this World War II movie uh, that takes place in Saipan, and um, it stars Casper Van Dien and Louis Mandalore and Jeff Fagey, um, all of which I'm big fans of so it was really cool so we worked very very well um and uh brandon worked very well with casper um mm-hmm. and i became very close with his wife jen they're just lovely people they're both in the movie um and so we went right back that was in thailand uh mm-hmm. last year we went right back and shot another one which you were just talking about the flood which is mm-hmm. a creature feature which is totally my jam i love creature features and uh kind of a little uh bad timing now but at the time it was a cool concept it's about a giant storm uh that hits the, the south yeah and floods everything brings and, a gator um, yeah and our story takes place in this little precinct um where nikki whalen is uh the sheriff there and um a Ban of convicts are making their way to the big state prison and the storm hits so they have to stop this small town this little holding uh precinct mm-hmm. for the for the night until the flooding goes down and they can make their way to the prison and 
So they're all incarcerated for the night and the flooding starts to happen in their town and alligators enter the the holding cells. And so it's literally a badass movie about a bunch of convicts and fighting gators. And I'm so here for it. I can't wait to see it. And I had a blast shooting that. They let me come out and do do my little thing in the opening. So I'm I'm really excited for that one. That comes out um, early next year. How different is it working with a creature like um, ghosts or gators or piranhas, uh, for instance? How different is that? It's different because a lot of the times they're not there. Yeah. Um, so that that really is, uh, again, one of the things I like to push myself, a challenge myself. So uh, that was a challenge for me to to have an entire sequence with something that isn't there. And just like make the whole thing up. So you have to create those beats and hope that in post those beats match what you're supposed to be doing. So that was interesting. Um, but I I love creature features. Like I did Piranha because I was a huge fan of the originals. Yeah. And uh, and I wanted they they pitched it to us as the biggest cinematic massacre to ever happen. And I was like, yeah, there is zero percent chance I'm not going to be in the middle of that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go. And that one was really cool because. Um, we obviously didn't have the piranhas there themselves, but what we did have is they, there was so much money in that movie. They, they rigged up the lake with like water jets and, and blood jets. So um, they would put us on like a spot underneath it and they would turn it on and like the whole surrounding area around us would bubble up and, and shoot blood up. And it was just wow, so cool. Yeah. It was so much fun. So I love, and again, that's my favorite stuff is, is the stunts and the effects and such. So when you have, um, other elements, whether it's creatures, supernatural elements, it really, it puts you in another world. It gets you really into it, um, challenges you because, you know, the elements aren't going to be there. You almost get to enjoy it as a fan too, to see the final product because you're interacting with what you think it is. And then in post, you're going to get a whole nother element. Um, and then of course, probably you're going to get hurt or someone's going to die. So you yeah. get the glory in there too. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, I just love it. It's all this, all my favorite elements all in, in a single moment. So I'm, I get giddy. That's my jam. <laughs> well, to close out interviews uh, here at 30 and Nerdy, we always like to do kind of an inside the actor studio flash round of Q&A. Um, okay. If you were to return to the stage, what dream role would you like to play? Oh, man. Um, uh, uh, oh, gosh, I haven't thought about this in a while. Uh, Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. Good choice. Yeah. If you had your call on any role of past, present or not made, what would it be? Hope nobody makes this. Elizabeth Bathory. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they're making a biopic of you. You can't play yourself. Who plays you? Oh, man. Uh, at this age, Fiona Dorif. Great choice. Right? Wow. I love her. Uh, what is a piece of advice you would give to someone who wants to be in this industry? Learn as much as you can first. Um, research everything. Go uh, find a local film in your area and go be a PA, go volunteer, um, do as many jobs on it as you can. Just soak up that knowledge. Um, Film school only gets you so much and uh, you really need hands-on first world experience on this. Uh, So go and and dive on in and and learn firsthand and then be prepared to work because um, it looks glamorous, it looks fun, which it absolutely is, but it is super hard work too we work you know 
there's no set hours, there's no set days, um, mm -hmm. lots of inconsistencies, lots of no, and lots of hard work when you get the yes. So just um, be prepared to to work your ass off, and hopefully you're weird enough like we are that you love it. Out of out of any franchise, who is your favorite hero? Favorite hero, ah, jeez, Jesus. <laughs> Who's your favorite villain? Gosh, favorite villain. That's hard. I love villains. Mm -hmm. Man, that's a good question. Favorite villain. You Who's know, your favorite villain? It's probably between the Joker or Darth Vader, but I also really love Freddy Krueger. Ooh. Ooh. All, all of my top picks for sure. Freddy gets you where you're supposed to be your safest. Right? There's That's the thing is like, I think that's a, that's what makes a great villain is mm -hmm. when you think you're safe and you're not. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. All right. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tag you on that one. Yeah. So Sorry, out of any franchise, favorite. what power would you choose to have? What power? Mind reading. Ooh, scary. Mm -hmm. What, uh, any part, theater, video game, book, any franchise, what world would you like to be a part of? Texas Chainsaw. God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, that, that's great going into this 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 question. What's your favorite scary movie? Oh, uh, yeah. I, it actually is 1408. Have you seen it? Good choice. Right. I love, I love that. I think it's a perfect film. It's a great movie. Uh, despite being in the horror genre, what is something people would not think about you? I'm snuggly. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a really nice person. I play all these horrible characters, but like I am, you know, I'm like the Disney kid version of it. And, you know, I like the darkest stuff out there, but in real life, you know, I I'm fluffy. Okay. <laughs> so despite being a scream queen and a genre fiend, what are you afraid of? Oh, uh, that changes. I think, you know, if you ask me now versus five years ago, which 10 years ago, I think, um, I think what scares us evolves as we do. Mm -hmm. um, this, as of this year, what scares me is something happening to my baby. Yep. Um, prior to that, what scares me is uh, not making a mortgage. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> Prior to that, uh, you know, what scared me were uh, serial killers, yeah, predators, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and prior to that, um, oh, here's a good fun one. I, I am afraid of cold water. Cold water. Cold water. Wow. So naturally, I had to do piranha, right, and the flow. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Naturally. So uh, it's it, one of those weird, irrational things. I I don't like cold water. Wow. So finally, what's your end game? What is the final rung of the ladder for Devony Penn? Uh, I want to uh, watch my family grow and I want to continue, hopefully, to work in our great genre and entertain you guys. Um, and I would like to, at some point, hopefully contribute to an iconic franchise. And ultimately, I would love to try my hand at being a studio exec. Wow. Well, I hope you get everything. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Where and when can people find Frost? 
So Frost is now out. Yeah. As of October 11th, uh, you can catch Frost on DVD, Blu-ray, and VOD streaming. Um, the Blu-ray comes with a bonus CD of the soundtrack. Um, I have a copy here. Wow. Uh, this is the vinyl. The soundtrack That's... is also available on vinyl because Cleopatra awesome. Records is awesome. Uh, so, so that's out now as well. You can catch that. And um, I, again, warning, it's a little bit intense, but yes. I hope that you check it out and love it. And if you do, please tell a friend because that's how movies like this get around. It's all word of mouth. Um, if you hated it, tell a friend. Tell them it was like the most traumatizing, horrible, shocking experience of your life and you hate Debbie Finn for it. Because um, then they'll get curious and watch absolutely. it. It's a win-win. Regardless, please be vocal. Um, I I share positive reviews. I share negative reviews. Um, mm -hmm. I love chatting with movie fans, um, whether it's of mine or or anything in general. I'm really active on social media. I'm also nerdy and thirty, mm -hmm. so I love 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 to chat with you guys. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Devony Pin. And uh, I really thank you for having me on. This has been such a fun podcast. I'm so glad we connected. Absolutely, me too. Me too. So thanks for tuning in, nerds, to the yeah. 30 Nerdy Podcast. I'm your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, with the Queen of Screams herself, Devony Penn. Juice, be safe out there in Disney. Have fun. We'll see you when you get back. Yeah. Tell me how it works. I love Disney. So be kind to one another, nerds, and of course, be kind to yourselves. Cheers yes. to you. So they started a podcast to talk all about it And 30 and Nerdy was born Oh, 30 and Nerdy was born You might hear them chat about shows like The Witcher Or movies like Lord of the Rings And if Josh has to choose, he is loyal to Marvel While Tyler goes more for DC Yes, Tyler goes more for DC. Now come, come, one and all. Nerd up or shut up, just answer the call to be part of our journey into magical worlds. Join us and cheers to ya, nerds. Join us and cheers to ya, nerds.